0: Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and indiebirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Happy 2022. Can't believe that's the case, really. Crazy how time flies. But it's podcast Saturday. Yes, it's Saturday this week. It is January 1st of the new year. And it is a beautiful, very rainy day here in Kentucky. It's also my son Rune's birthday. I can't believe we have added him to the list of teenagers in this house. He is 13 today. Many of you have read his birth story in our book, Indie Birth A Story of Radical Birth Love. If not, you might enjoy it. This is a really great story really traumatizing at the time. But 13 years has mostly done amazing healing work. And of course, the biggest part of the healing is just seeing what an amazing being he is and getting to know him over the 13 years and making even more sense of his birth story. So for anybody out there that's had sort of a rough birth experience I'd say just hold on. I think the proof comes when it needs to come. And it often comes in the form of our children's ways and personalities. In other words, we're not, as the birthing woman, 100% in control, of course, of this experience. I mean, of course we're not, right? There's nature and There's all kinds of other things. But as far as between the mom and the baby, I think so many women I've talked to over the years and even lately have guilt about their birth experience and they feel like, oh, I could have done better. I should have done better. And the truth is, the baby also has needs as a soul. So don't be so quick to think it could have been different when most of the time I believe it's just as it needs to be. And it makes perfect sense. So if you don't know what I'm talking about as far as Rune's story, uh, I'll just give a really short 10-second recap here. Rune was born at home after a pretty average labor. He was my fourth baby. And he came out and by accounts, the midwife that was there, who was someone I was apprenticing with and a friend, he was not doing well. He was not breathing. And this was back before, at least, I started taking photos and videos of my birth. I really wish we had. I do have one actual photo, not a digital photo, one actual photo that a friend took. And it's black and white. And it's Rune being lifted out of the birth pool, you know, seconds after birth. And because it's black and white, he is very white. He does not look good. And if I had been the midwife at his birth, yes, I would have been very concerned upon his arrival. However, and Jason and I were, of course, reflecting on this today, 13 years later, there was so much fear in the room. And I don't know that it was really coming from me. I think I definitely played my part. And I did give my power to this woman who I was a student of and who I did respect and trust. She basically freaked out and now, this long after, having been a midwife for a long time myself, I really find that to be inexcusable, frankly. Uh, I'm still angry about that part, you know. I gave her the power and the permission to do what happened next, which is, which was, she cut Rune's cord within seconds and panicked and called 911. And I don't really recall, and Jason doesn't either, a resuscitation per se. Which again, is inexcusable, especially for as long as this woman had been a midwife. So I'm not quite sure what all went into that on her end emotionally. I know there were definitely spiritual aspects. And that's kind of what I was getting at a couple of minutes ago. I think Rune just wasn't ready yet. In a spiritual sense, his body was born, but he was not all here. And that's a common occurrence with Rune, even at 13. Um, He's super smart kid. But there are times that especially emotionally, spiritually, he's not present. This is just the way he is in his physical body. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just the way he is. So looking back, that's his first take at human life, at least this go around. And that was his pattern that has been his pattern. So in that way, it's all perfect. But from a clinical perspective, I really still don't understand why this midwife didn't just calmly give him breaths. That's what we do when a baby comes out, and they're not transitioning well. It would have been Asking way too much for her to have me do that, even though I was a student, I was an apprentice at the time. Um, She could have just taken over and maybe that even would have been fine, would have saved us a trip to the hospital. But that's not what happened. So she panicked. I don't remember any resuscitative efforts, but thank God somehow this baby kind of came to eventually, which again, now that I know more, now now that I've seen so much more, Um, Yeah, transitions can take time. So it probably was just a time thing if nothing was done. And by the time EMS showed up, he was breathing. But we did decide to airlift him up to a hospital an hour north where they had a NICU. Just to be sure there wasn't anything else going on. Although, again, was reflecting today that it was really kind of silly because, yes, we took this amazing helicopter ride, he and I. And wow, I mean, that's a really beautiful thing to see, of course, not when you're with your newborn baby that needs to go to the hospital. But I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculously beautiful. We were in a helicopter above all of the red rocks and mountains in northern Arizona. And we landed on, you know, the helicopter pad on the top of the hospital. It was January 1st and it was Sort of cold, but not terribly. It was a very bright, sunny day. He was born at nine o'clock in the morning, so this was about whatever, nine thirty probably. And yeah, they put him on the hospital table in the ER and they didn't understand, and neither did I. It was ridiculous. He was screaming and yelling and totally pink and happy. And I basically just took my baby and said, Thank you. See you later. And Jason drove up in the meantime and we went home. So a lot like Rumi's story, a lot, a lot like Rumi's story. And I don't think that's even an accident. And I don't know quite yet how they are connected in the ways. And I might not ever know, but I think they are. But yeah, just kind of thinking about that as I do every January 1st. And so grateful he's here and so glad that he came to our family. Despite the dramatic story, I think it was just right for him. One huge benefit has been that in my life and work as a midwife, this does not freak me out to that point. Yes, it is frightening and not the most pleasant to have a baby be born even when it's not yours that is not transitioning well. And it's happened to me a fair amount of times, not a whole lot, but not nothing. There's definitely been a couple over the years that have probably given me a couple of gray hairs as far as their um, very slow and poor transition to life. But my experience as Rune's mom has shaped my experience and what I can offer as a midwife. And I feel very satisfied that I was able to take a very hard personal experience like his birth. And turn it into what I think has been really positive, And it has helped the women I've served, uh, the ones that have needed breaths. And there have definitely been a few. Um, Christina's Indie Birth of Veda Rose is a favorite podcast out there. And many of you kind of know Christina by way of me, probably. Uh, she's amazing. And on that podcast, she reflects on her daughter's birth. Um, I was there and how she resuscitated her daughter. And, you know, not a great thing, but I've had a few the last couple of years. Because I think in some ways, I am that person, right? Like, we don't get into birth work for no reason. And I don't think it's proper to do our healing through other people. I think we have to do our deep healing around whatever traumas we have. But then we can turn that healing into something really beautiful for other people. And so, you know, I'm not God. I don't control whether or not a baby breathes or stays here. But I've been really fortunate and blessed and have used Rune's birth to really create an atmosphere, I think, of love and peace around the occasional resuscitation. And I know that has made a difference, so... Tooting my own horn, in a sense, and also runes for giving me that experience. And this midwife who I really hated for so many years and had really hard feelings towards because I blamed her. But I'm so grateful that really turned out to be one of the best teaching births of my life. And without really knowing what I was doing as I was doing my own healing, I realized, of course, I never wanted another woman to feel that way if her baby needed help. I mean, there's no reason for it. There's no reason to freak out. There's no reason to blame the mother, which is sort of how this midwife had acted towards me after the fact, Um, you know, because those feelings of guilt and shame that I had and had to work through, I can't really save anyone from that. But I think as a birth attendant, as a midwife, I can do my part in not adding to it. So if a baby needs breaths, a mama might be traumatized. That's not really my call. I'll do my best in holding space and doing what I know so that she feels powerful. She might still be traumatized. Again, I don't control that. But best case scenario, she feels on top of the world that she gave her baby life, that she gave her baby breath, and she didn't have to hand it over to me or to anyone else. So thank you, Rune. Thank you, my beautiful 13-year-old son, for showing me this, for teaching me this and for being here. We love you so much. Okay, well, this podcast is about taking care of you in 2022, or as the case may be, how I take care of me. I'm not sure what will be new, in a sense, for me. What I'm going to share with you is kind of my boring Way of being in a routine in a way that I think has really served my life and myself and my own soul. But disclaimer of course, I don't really know what's right for you, and they're just ideas. This is just me sharing what has worked for me, and you might have all kinds of thoughts around it, and you might not be a fan of doing it this way or incorporating this, and that's totally fine. The point is not for you to imitate me, I don't think. The point is just for me to share so that you can feel and see going into this new year, especially that taking care of you as a woman, as a midwife, as a whatever doula, whatever your role in life is, is super important. Because if you don't take care of you at a deep level, then really nobody else gets taken care of. And of course, how could I not include the role of mother? I think mothers are notoriously the worst at this and they need it the most. So ironic, of course, but I'm just here to share. I've been mothering for almost 20 years and certainly my routines, my flow has kind of ebbed and changed over the years. So this is just a snapshot of where I am now and I don't really know how this next year will change it, or maybe it won't. But here's what's working for me. So I thought I would kind of mostly focus on my morning routine, because that's really where I spend the time and emotional energy on myself. And that also helps me set up the day. I know not everybody's a morning person, so I don't have advice for you (laughs) necessarily if you're not. And if you really get going with things in the evening, all the power to you. That's just not me. I've never been that way. I am very happy to go to bed at 8pm or 9pm at the latest. And actually these days I don't really get up super early just because I don't have to. Uh, But for many years, of course. When Amelia was little and way before kids I would be up before the sun was up and would use that time for working out or whatever. So these days I probably get up around 7 30 or so and Jason has his own set of routines so I'm not really gonna include his because I don't even know all of the parts but he does get up before me and so I do think that's a cool thing if you're in a partnership, you know, to kind of stagger if you have kids because it really is hard to fit everything in some days with two adults um if you're on the exact same schedule. So you pretty much have to figure out how to stagger. And we've been good at that for a long time. So he gets up first when it's still dark, I don't know, probably 6 or so and he has his own routine. He does his workout, he meditates, whatever he does. And so by the time I get up at 730, usually it's roomy with me and probably the other girls, probably Deva, who sleeps in my room at the moment, and Cove, who doesn't sleep in my room, funny enough, the younger one likes to sleep alone. Go figure that. But usually they hear me and they kind of get up. So we go downstairs after they grab some clothes because they really have their own routines. It's kind of cute and, and funny to observe that as I'm talking about mine. Like Deva has to get her clothes on. She sleeps in her little underwear and it's very important that she gets the clothes and I wait for her to put them on. You know how kids are. And so uh, I wait for her. We head downstairs and usually I kind of pass Rumi off right away and he's very happy to see his dad and he's generally just very happy. So he might want to get down and play and they kind of spend the morning with Jason. So that's how it goes. Getting out in the morning, do my own thing in the morning has been a thing for before, since before I had kids. So for as long as I can remember, uh, maybe even back in high school, I kind of can't remember that far. But, oh, excuse me, definitely in college, I would always get up early. And of course, that was for different reasons. I usually had to cram in some studying or practicing, but I like that time of day. So Rumi gets handed off and... Uh, The first thing I always do, and this sounds so basic, but I drink a glass of water and I usually put some lemon in it. So get some nice like um, liver detox and just some fluids. Uh, I'm not nursing a ton at night anymore, but, you know, I'm still nursing a little bit. And so I want to make sure I'm starting the day with some fluids. And so that's that. Then. I love to make coffee. I really do love coffee. And I've had times off and different other things I would try. But right now, I'm just allowing myself to do that, you know, and, and not having a real judgment over it because it really feels fine. And I'm not a super... Um, Like, I don't drink a ton of coffee. I have one cup of coffee in the morning. So I'm feeling fine about that. Although for so many years of my life, I didn't. And I don't think that started till after Rumi, actually. So I've gotten pretty far in life with not drinking coffee every day. But um, for the last couple of years, it had been like every other day. And I don't know, I might get back in that. But right now, uh, it's every day. So that's kind of a fun ritual, especially here in Kentucky, just because I wouldn't say it's cold at all, but it's definitely cozier here. Um, You know, like today is super rainy and our house is just really warm and cozy. So having coffee is so fun. And I really love that. I then just kind of hang around and maybe sit on the couch and cuddle someone, Cove or Deva or whatever. And usually they need something, <laughs> right? They're like wanting something. And I'm pretty strict about just taking care of myself in the morning. That might sound harsh, but hey, uh, I think boundaries are good. Um, a lot of mornings, Deva will kind of get obsessed with something as many four-year-olds do. Um, lately, it's been hot chocolate. Make me hot chocolate because she sees my coffee. And for a while I was doing it. And then lately I've been like, nope, I'm not doing that because A, I'm going upstairs. And B, uh, your dad's going to make you food. And every time I make you hot chocolate, you fill up on it and then you don't eat. So um, it's kind of like there are obstacles to making my own time in the morning for sure. Just so you didn't think that it was always the easiest thing. But that's the time. That's the time that I have. That's the time that I have desired to reserve. And so I kind of have to escape from them a little bit, (laughs) as weird as that sounds. Um, And often I don't, you know, they're totally fine playing. They're already involved in something. Jason has started to make them breakfast. So I just kind of slip away and go back upstairs and just kind of straighten up. Uh, Deva has been sleeping in here on the floor. So, you know, folding blankets, kind of making the bed. Um, Yeah, just getting my sanctuary together. I really, really love our room here. And I just really always enjoy making a room nice as much as I can. I really don't know if the baby screaming is audible, so hang on a second. All right, nothing like real life podcasts when you have to actually pause and go shut a door. Um, I'm home, if you couldn't tell. So where was I? Um, Oh, yeah, sanctuary. Yeah, I really, really would recommend that. You know, we don't have a huge room. We don't have a fancy anything. It's just a nice place to be. And even right now, I have some candles lit and my salt lamp, and it's just a cozy, nice place. And I think that's probably possible for nearly everyone. Um, Even if you end up sharing a room with kids, you know, there has to be a time when they're not in it and they're not allowed in it. And also even a small little space that you can make your own, whether it's an altar or however you kind of want to label it or address it. I do kind of have an altar on my dresser. I have lots of like gemstones and kind of special things, you know, that have been given Um, lots of like herbs and sage and burning kind of stuff and lots of fun jewelry. So again, I come up here, kind of make everything nice and I do a meditation and that's not new, but I definitely kind of have come in and out over the years with meditation and even the value behind it. You know, I think I'm mostly convinced that it's pretty beneficial to sit in quiet for X number of minutes, even though most of our minds, uh, certainly mine, is kind of always racing, right? It's just like a discipline of sitting and watching how crazy your mind is. And that doesn't always feel that great. You know, it's like, oh, man, what's the point? I feel like I'm just making myself do this. And that is kind of the point. But yeah, year after year, sometimes I drop it for a little bit. And I usually come back because there's something that changes about my life, about my focus, about my ability to be present when I meditate for even just 10, or in my case, 11. I had to pick a fun number, Um, 11 minutes a day. And so I set my timer on my phone, and usually I can hear them downstairs, but whatever. And if I'm feeling kind of like good at it that day, which that's not really the goal, uh, it goes by really fast. And sometimes I kind of have a mantra in my head or, or this morning, actually, I just listened to the rain fall. It was really pouring and just kind of used that as a way to be present um, and just watched my thoughts. I think of Muji, who I don't know if any of you kind of follow him or listen to his stuff. Um, he's a spiritual teacher and he has a sort of recent podcast that talks about giving yourself just one minute. And that was really revolutionary for me. So I actually did that a bunch of months ago because I felt really kind of out of control with meditation. Like I was doing it, but I was not doing it. I was sitting here, but my mind was somewhere else. And so I took his advice and kind of started again with just one minute. And his, his um, you know, way of explaining it is just, can you give yourself a minute? Or kind of turn it around, like, why can't you give yourself a minute? Can you give yourself just a minute? Well, just one minute to, like, detach from all the worries of the day or the fun plan of the day or the grocery list or whatever it is. So I do keep that up. And there are times that I would love to commit to twice a day meditation. I think Jason does that, but I just haven't yet. And I'm not sure that I will, right? I really do follow the flow. And as disciplined as some of this might sound, as like routine based as it might sound, it has to work for me and it has to feel good. And I don't just do things to check them off a list. They really are part of the way I want to be, the way I want to show up in the world and kind of like the formula in getting there. Um, You know, I think you certainly can just wake up and be centered and really be feeling the way you want to for a day. But I think for me it's helped to have some tools. So I do the meditation, done 11 minutes, and I have a journal. I write it most mornings and I don't know. uh, Sometimes it's just dreams from the last night, whatever. Not really long entries most of the time, or maybe I'm kind of like pulling a card or reflecting on something that's going on. And then I have been for the last bunch of months doing a breathing practice also. So by the time... Um, kind of through all that up here. I don't know. It's maybe an hour. And I'll talk about workout stuff in a minute. But this is this is sort of the simple version. Um, I do a breathing meditation or not. It's not a meditation. It's an exercise, really. Many of you have heard of Wim Hof. If you haven't, uh, you can go Google him. It's a cool he's a cool guy. And I got started with his recommendation on breathing, a bunch of months ago and how did I I don't even know how it came up honestly I don't remember but it really was a godsend and doing this practice every day has totally changed my life in ways that I don't even know if I can describe so to be brief his breathing practice that he recommends and teaches is basically like in and out breaths with no pause So in and out breaths that are connected for whatever, 25 to 30 seconds or something like that. And then there's breath holding. So it's kind of a two part thing. And it's really fantastic. The idea is to oxygenate your body in a way that just normal breathing doesn't do. And that has been so true. I think my lungs have improved so much. Um, I've been able to hold my breath for, get this, two and a half minutes. And I'm sure there are people that can do it much longer, but that's a definitely a personal record for me. And that feels really good because it hasn't felt hard. I'm not like dying or anything. And then you go back to the connected breath. So you can do this as many times as you want. Um, Sometimes I only do like three rounds of it. Sometimes I do 10, but I can guarantee myself that I will feel amazing when it's done. And it's a euphoria kind of feeling, honestly, like you're kind of tingly, Um, but it's really, really amazing for the body. Water break. So I am definitely going to stick with that. And then I'm not going to go into all of this right now, but I did just do a breathing workshop here uh, two days ago with this wonderful, beautiful woman named Sarah uh, from Louisville. I'm getting it down. I'm learning how to say it right uh, she has her own breath work practice there. I'm sure you've heard me or, or Nathan talk about her. I think we talked about her recently on one of our podcasts uh, because this is one of Nathan's friends and she is amazing and this practice is mind-blowing and we had a whole room. We had like 12 people come the other day and basically breathe for an hour and it was very different than the Wim Hof breath. Um, it was challenging, it was sort of awful, it was amazing, it was life-changing, it was psychedelic, like, I could go on and on. So I know the universe is definitely leading me in this direction of breath and breath work, and I've known that for a while. I think I shared a couple of months ago about my own journey with breathing, funny enough, and being labeled asthmatic and all of this other stuff in my own life, um, my own gene key, that's a whole other way of reading things, but... Um, mine basically says like, I'm here to master the breath. That's why I'm here. And if I just focus on that and slow down, kind of like everything is fine. So here I am venturing into 2022 with that intention again, of mastering my breath even more. And I don't know, uh, I would really love to take more of these workshops. I would, I would love in a sense to teach it. I mean, not to like anybody off the street, but I would love to offer it to my clients more uh, although this woman, Sarah, can probably be hired more and more to teach them. And I just can't think of anything better right now for women that are pregnant than this and everyone, all of us, because our stress levels are high, because we're carrying old shitty energy around all of the time, no matter how much we meditate, right? No matter what we're doing, we're still physically carrying it. And I have never experienced anything like this breathwork practice in getting rid of the energetic shit, which is uh, I think what Sarah said. So those of you that were there that are listening, um, you know all about it. Those of you that weren't, which is most everybody, I just want to say it is totally life changing. And so I know that's going to be a new thing in a sense for me and figuring out where that goes, whether I teach it or just learn more for my own well-being, which I think is very, very likely. Um, I'm totally hooked. And again, for pregnant women, for women that are going to be birthing, I can't think of a better preparation. that was kind of my takeaway, you know, because that's where my mind goes a lot of the time is to birth and such. Um, After this hour of breathing, I thought to myself, man, if women can get through this, they can do anything. I mean, if anybody can get through it. But like, if a pregnant woman can get through that, and believe in herself, and not be shut down by what she's feeling in her body, then she absolutely can birth a baby through her vagina at home. Seriously, like it was that great and that life changing. So I don't know as far as my own like morning routine, what that will mean. The Wim Hof is different, like I said, but I can kind of see how I could maybe combine them or, you know, do longer sessions to kind of mimic the workshop I was just at. It's not rocket science. It's really great to have such an amazing teacher. And it was great to do in a room full of people. Honestly, I felt so bonded and connected to the people that were there. But also, if we're going to just like make this real and take it home and benefit every day, then we got to learn how to do it on our own. So point being, breathwork practice will... Uh, increase, I think, and probably develop and snowball and all of those great metaphors for me in this year. And I would just really encourage you to check out uh, another kind of variation wherever you live. I'm sure there's something. And if not, um, you know, this woman, Sarah, uh, I think has online stuff. I'm not quite sure. And it's called Effigy Breath. So you could look that up Effigy Breath and see what they have online, but totally worth doing this. So that's kind of my morning. Like I said, by the time I do all of that and then maybe get dressed or whatever, put on essential oils or whatever I'm going to do, it's been an hour or two. Sometimes I do a workout in that time. I did this morning just because it was so rainy and it was a holiday. So I didn't feel like driving to the gym. And my room is tiny, but I do have a room for a little mat, you know, for a yoga mat. So I'm all about some of the online apps, the workout apps. And of course, I'm not connected or affiliated with any of them. I've been using the Nike training app for a bunch of years. And I'm sure there are better ones maybe, but it's like I'm familiar with it, you know. And I kind of feel like I know the trainers and I know the format and I know how to easily find what I'm wanting or what I'm looking for. So that is kind of my go-to for a quick at-home workout, anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes, maybe with weights, maybe just body weight. I really am a fan of like the quick workouts that are high intensity and mostly use our own bodies for the weight. That's kind of how my body responds best. I'm not a power lifter. I'm not a lifter at all. Um, You know, I don't have hours to spend in the gym nor would I. I get bored. So 20 minutes is sort of my max and I'm up here uh, jumping and doing burpees and all kinds of stuff that Jason <laughs> says he can hear from downstairs. Uh, but you know, then that's done and I feel great and all of that. Oh, just to make it more descriptive, I guess, if I do do a workout, I usually do that first. So if I sit around and meditate and breathe, it's really hard to do a workout. That's been my experience. So I get right into the workout, get it done. And then kind of like my relaxing part is getting to sit here and just do nothing or breathe or both. That's the way the morning looks, but it's not over yet, folks. So I go downstairs and the new routine here is taking care of the chickens, which some mornings, I won't lie, I feel kind of resentful of because I don't hurry for the chickens and I refuse to hurry for chickens, but also they've been in the coop all night. At this point, it might be nine o'clock in the morning and I start to feel a little bad that they have been in there so long. So I put on the boots, get the food. Usually one of the girls or more wants to come. My tactic, if you were up on my rooster attacking me or trying to, my tactic these days is to bring my trusty canine henna into the coop with me. I have to bring her on a leash, though, because she won't eat a chicken, but she might attack one. So it's very complicated. I bring the dog in on a leash to avoid the rooster attacking me, feed them. Okay, done. Perfect. Then it is walking time. And practically the only thing I don't absolutely love about this property is that there's not really anywhere to walk. There's no neighborhood. It's on a very busy road. So that is off the table. I can walk the property itself, and I do occasionally if it's only going to be a twenty-minute walk, right? I can just do circles of our property, but of course, I risk people like my children coming out and wanting something, and you know that's sort of disruptive. So I'll do it if I have to, but more often than not, I gotta get in the car to walk, and that's just the way it is here. So uh, the dogs get loaded up. There's two dogs and they know just what's happening. They're happy to get in, kiss everyone goodbye as they're kind of eating breakfast or whatever, and drive maybe five minutes to walk. And there I walk for probably an hour. So again, this isn't all happening on one day. I mean, the meditation, the breathing, and the walking, they are happening on the same day. But I'm not Usually working out and walking. Like, I pretty much make a choice about that. And then, like this morning, if I did do a workout, then I take a walk later in the day, usually with Jason. And it's really amazing that we can do that, that our lives are flexible enough. And, you know, we pop Rumi in his stroller and walk a neighborhood close by here that we do have to drive to. And the kids are kind of on their own with the teenagers. So, um, on a normal day, more normal than not, I don't work out and I get in the car and I walk and there are some really nice paved trails. There are, um, not as much like deep in nature spots as I'm used to, or I just haven't found them yet, but it's okay. The dogs and I get our walk. Usually I listen to something or I might talk to Margo on the phone and do a couple of miles, you know, two, three For something like that, these dogs really, really love to get out, and they will walk pretty much as long as I want to. So that's sort of the morning roundup, and by the time I get home, it's about like ten thirty or eleven. So that's you know three hours on my own, which is really awesome. And I would just really encourage any of you out there that are maybe struggling with how to take care of yourself with just taking baby steps, you know, maybe it's not three hours. Maybe your kids will lose their minds because they're just not used to it. Mine are really used to it. They have never known anything different. Um, You know, back when Amelia was a baby, it was the same thing. I always have used mornings and Jason has always gratefully taken over and he's present, you know, and another great thing is to have a present partner that wants to also parent your children and you don't feel like you're leaving them with a babysitter because, of course, I would not leave them with a babysitter for that long every morning. No way. But that's not what I'm doing. They're with their dad. They're safe. They're cared for. He makes them delicious breakfasts and they're very happy to play. And the older kids, they're not even up yet. So I'm really just talking about the four, the three little girls and Rumi that are up. So I take a walk, come back, and then I usually eat. And by that time, it's like 11. So, you know, just, I guess, a minute about food and that kind of thing. Um, I, for as long as I can remember, haven't eaten a ton unless I'm pregnant uh, in the morning. And that doesn't mean I don't love breakfast, but it just feels like if I'm going to work out, if I'm going to even walk, I don't want a belly full of food. And I also don't want to take the time to make it. So back before I had kids, I remember just grabbing, you know, an energy bar or something. And I don't do that anymore, mostly because I don't eat that kind of stuff. But, you know, I might grab a handful of nuts or an apple or something on the way out. Um, but generally, I just wait till I get home. And that works fine. Margot and I were talking about this sort of thing. And she was experimenting with intermittent fasting. And so I realized like, that's what I just naturally do. I wasn't trying and I don't have a clock set. I'm not like, oh my gosh, I can't eat till X time or, you know, I want to do a 15 hour fast every night. Um, I never thought about it. This is just how my body works, pretty much how it's always worked. It feels really good to me. Uh, I have energy, you know, all of the things like this is just what works for me. So I don't eat, And when I get home at 11, it's kind of like a brunch situation. And of course, I don't know that food's so interesting, but eggs and I've been making bread. Um, Nothing is restricted at the moment, although I've definitely gone through ups and downs around, you know, grains and dairy and blah, blah, blah. And right now I'm just not interested. Uh, It feels good to just be eating everything and doing that in a balanced way. And so that's what I'm doing. And it feels really good. Um, so that's my morning. And it's, I think, a very intentional set of activities, as you can probably hear. I'm trying to think if I've left anything out. Um, I do. Be- I, I am going to join a gym. I actually don't belong to the gym yet. But there's one that we've been visiting probably two minutes from here. My daughters like to go to the gym. So I think I am going to join Uh, But I don't know how much I'll use it. It's really not expensive at all. So I think I'll probably just join. And this winter, I'm imagining I will use it when it's snowy or whatever. And I don't want to get out for a walk. That sucks for the dogs. I really do feel committed to these animals. I don't just get out for me. So that's another tip, I think, if you're really struggling with like getting out in nature or for walks, get yourself a dog. Because uh, then you'll feel bad <laughs> and then, then you won't want to make it sit home all day. So, I really feel bad if I don't get my dogs out, um, you know, two days in a row. But I will use a gym in the middle of winter and I like to hang out with my daughters too. They just don't get up early. So, I don't know if I'll be visiting the gym by myself, possibly in the morning. I'm sure I will here and there. Or if people around here, my daughters, are up for uh, afternoon workouts then I might be up for that too. So I've shared my morning session with you and I definitely have a smaller afternoon session. And by that, I mean, maybe an hour. And right now I'm using it for a podcast, which is sort of funny, but I normally come up here around 4 p.m. That's because that's the time our children are allowed to watch shows. So they get to watch shows every day from four to six p.m. And that gives me just, it feels like breathing time, like literally and physically and metaphorically. Um, it's not that I couldn't, right, if they weren't doing that. But, you know, Jason had them all morning. Usually we're all together all day or whatever, or he might have stuff or I might have stuff. But by four o'clock, we're really home buddies and we really love to make food together and we love to go to bed early. So by 4 p.m., uh, we're kind of winding down. So I'll come up here and either do another breathing session or honestly, I'll just sit here sometimes. I might read. I might even just be on my phone. Really, I might just sit here and do that. Uh, I might do a Yoni steam. I might take a shower. I just kind of like figure out what is needed in the day. And like I said, today somehow a podcast got in there, which isn't typical, but it's okay. Okay. Um, It's all about intention and feeling like you have the time and the space to create the life you want. I really hope that that inspires you. Again, not that you have to choose what I'm choosing. Maybe you wouldn't do it the same way at all. But just this idea that just because we're mothers, for example, or maybe you're not just because you're whatever, um, a midwife or a doula or, you know, whatever, that somehow you are obligating your time to other people all day long, every day of the week. And so to take my routine a step further, I also have my weeks structured uh, somewhat, somewhat, meaning that usually Sunday is podcast day. It's not today. So I really do feel like I can be flexible. I'm not like nailed into this routine. It really has to work. It has to work for you or you won't keep it up. So today it turned out to be this. Because tomorrow I'm taking my one son out to a place for lunch. He's very excited. (laughs) I don't know why exactly, but it's cute. Um, So, you know, I don't want to be packing things in. I really, really don't like having thing after thing after thing after thing. And I think being in the mainstream world, even in college, all those years, right? Like your day is completely scheduled from nine to five. And I hate that. I like days where there's nothing at all. And if I have an appointment or something on a day, then that's it. I don't want another one. (laughs) And I'm lucky that I get to do it like that. So Monday is the midwife day. That's where midwife Monday came from this past year or two. And that's been working great still. I can do all of my appointments either in person and virtually uh, all day Monday. So some days it's from 10 to 5. Some days it's only from 12 to 5, whatever. But I'm at my office that day and I really look forward to it. You know, I look forward to the quiet. I look forward to the in-between times when I might have half an hour here and I'm not going to run home for half an hour. So I just get to hang out with myself Uh, or I walk across the street to the health food store and get some chocolate um, or whatever. You know, it's a really nice time and the day is blocked off. So I don't feel any kind of like guilt around what I'm doing. My kids know that Monday is office day. And when Rumi was small, Jason would bring him to nurse halfway through or whatever, but he's old enough now. So I really can leave him in the morning and come home at dinner time, And that's just the way it goes. And so I don't really do other appointments. Once in a while, if there's a client who really can't make it on Monday, I'll make exceptions. Um, But generally, that's the day. That's the day. That's the day. That's the day. And then the rest of the week, I also have days that work for stuff. So Wednesday is another day that work kind of comes into the picture. We have Indie Birth midwifery school calls. We have the Birth Warrior Project doula program calls. So Margot and I decided together that Wednesday would be another great day. Uh, she and I have our meeting. So Monday and Wednesday and not even a full day Wednesday. It's like all day Monday half a day Wednesday. And that's really it. That's the extent of my work week. And I'm super, super lucky. Of course, being on call is not um, quantified. (laughs) So that's an unknown. And that's, again, why I like to keep my schedule sort of strict. Um, So that on the other days, like Tuesday, is baking day here. Ever and I bake every Tuesday. Jason has his pretty much only work day, uh, meaning appointments on Tuesday. So we kind of trade off, I get Monday, he gets Tuesday. And then I have Wednesday morning, but then the rest of the week, like Wednesday afternoon, Thursday and Friday, and usually Saturday and Sunday uh, are pretty free. And we don't make appointments with anybody on the outside world, other than friends that we might want to see. So those definitely have a place there. Uh, lunches with people and dinners and just people coming to hang out and play Um, plenty of time for all of that so that's kind of my life in a nutshell (laughs) and that sounds kind of weird to kind of like say this is your life in 47 minutes or not even because I babbled about rune here's my life in half an hour But yeah, again, uh, not to beat a dead horse, but just hopefully inspiring people to craft whatever it is you need. One of my favorite questions for women I'm working with, whether they're pregnant or not, is what do you need? What do you need? And the look of bewilderment in a lot of faces when asked that question I think, is revealing to the fact that many people, many women, um, don't have this kind of routine going. They aren't really taking care of themselves in the way that feels good to them. And I'm laughing because I'm pretty sure I'll call this podcast something like self-care isn't a bubble bath. Um, But you know what? It might be. It might be for you. I've taken some pretty intense baths in my life lately. Uh, So, you know, it's not mine to judge what self-care really is. But I think it's a provoking thought because the mainstream world, of course, or, you know, even the, not mainstream, even the moms that are like birthing at home and attachment parenting, sometimes I think those are the moms who are really having the worst time. Because attachment parenting and never let your baby leave your side and yes, Yes, extended nursing, beautiful. I sleep with my babies. I do all the things. But I also have boundaries for myself to be me because one day they're going to be grown up and they're going to have their own lives. And many of mine already do. And, you know, maybe it's a protective mechanism, but also I mean it in the most healthy way. Um, I want to know who I am. Like, I didn't come to this earth to only be their mother, even though that's like, Oh my gosh, my pride and joy, of course, all 10 of them. They are, they are uh, a huge reason I'm here for sure. They are, but our lives aren't meant to be over intertwined in a sense where we start to negate our own health and our own mental health and our own emotional health. That version of mothering needs to go away. It really does. And I know that's easier said than done. And this might be kind of pissing some people off in a sense, because I don't think it's common to have a really supportive partnership. I know it's not. And so I think there's a lot of women out there that are like, oh, yeah, lucky you. Uh, You get to go do this for three hours. I don't have that. You know, my partner goes to work. Um, And so I hear you. I hear you. I don't know what the solution is. I think communities need to change and all of that good stuff. But, you know, maybe this is the year. Maybe 2022 is the year where we start to really imagine this utopia we want to live in, right? We can create heaven on earth. Uh, We already have it, really. Like, we're so abundant and we're so fortunate and, and all of the things. But even better, even better, that's the hope. On that note, I wish you a beautiful start to the new year, and I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your own routines and ways of staying connected. Uh, One thing I didn't really mention, I guess I'll just throw it in here at the end, is of course, that getting your feet on the earth and being out in nature. And I think I said, I did so much more of that out on the trails in Sedona, and I feel so grateful for that. And I do, I do miss that. Here, not so much. But our property is that place. So when it's not um, totally raining like crazy out there, most days I'm out without socks and shoes on, just playing with the kids, getting my feet on the earth, you know, getting to know our land planting trees, cutting things down, feeding the chickens, and all of the ways that the earth does nourish us. And for that, I don't need to be alone. I don't need that alone time. It's something I've really enjoyed doing with the kids and helping them foster that connection. So I guess the reason I'm saying that is if you're someone that's like, yeah, okay, I can't get three hours alone every morning. Um, what can you do? Like the earth heals all just getting your body there you know your feet on the grass or your hands in the dirt or whatever it is is a great place to start it is such an amazing transformation that we are capable of when we remember where we came from where we remember our roots all right it's official i'm done happy start to the new year much love and blessings continued abundance and joy for us all and i'll see you soon